Hello, this is Hillary and Clinton, and welcome to Black Magic, a podcast and media channel bringing East Coast voices to the world. We finally get to do the Hillary Clinton bit. <laughs> this week, we'll be interviewing Robin Jesse about being a PEI photographer and futures creator at Canon. Our podcast is weekly with guests, topics, and you can find us online by searching Black Lanik on most social media platforms, as well as on our website, blacklanik.ca. How mm-hmm. are you today, Clinton? I'm going to skip that this week. <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass on the how I am today and how I am this week. You can pass. I, I use my first pass of our, of our 26th <laughs> episode. Yeah. You can have as many passes as yeah. you want because we make the show. I'll get back I'm going to say week. I'm swampy. It's hot. Mm-hmm. But I won a contest today, which is why we were slightly delayed because I won a contest, but from Smirnoff and uh, I'm sober, oh. but it's a bunch of merch with like cherries on it. And it's very cute. And so you'll see me influencer marketing alcohol, even though she doesn't drink. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I'd, I liked the influencer who did the contest and it's a designer that I like, but I digress. Speaking of people that we like, <laughs> much more importantly, our guest, Robin, um, I heard of you, Robin. How are you today, by the way? I'm doing good. Doing good. good. Uh, I have the AC on, so everything is feeling very nice right now. Yes, as I said before we started, I'm boiling meat and sweaty, but (laughs) jealous of you. Um, I originally heard of you because of the CBC article about the Canon, uh, the, the creators, the futures creator um, thing that was going on. And then I saw during Black History Month that you had sort of participated with uh, Bianca Garcia, who's been a guest of ours and the uh, Black Culture Society of PEI. And you were connected with a bunch of people that we were connected with. And we've tried several times to have you on, but we're all very, very busy. But I'm super excited that we finally get to speak to you today because... No, I don't know any other Black PEI photographers, and so I'm really excited <laughs> to talk to you about that. But I'll uh, dial it back first. Um, if you want to tell us about like where you were born and raised, if you were born on the island, or if you immigrated to PEI, and uh, some of the background about where your parents are from. Sure. First of all, it's a big pleasure to get a chance to be on this podcast. Uh, very honored, honestly. Uh, but uh, to get straight to the questions, uh, I'm not born in Canada. I, I'm an immigrant. Uh, I was born in Rwanda. Uh, that's, uh, I think most people, at least we refer to the heart of Africa because it's literally right in the middle. And uh, I call it the country of a thousand hills because it literally has a thousand hills. They're all gorgeous. So yeah, I'm from Rwanda. And same thing as my parents. My parents are all born from Rwanda as well. Uh, they were born way before the whole genocide happened in Rwanda and all that. So they had a fair share of that. But me, I was born after that. So I got to see kind of like Rwanda trying to recover and all that. And uh, I got to witness Rwanda's art scene kind of like grow and all that stuff. So then I moved to Canada. Uh, that was 2018-ish. And uh, yeah, it's been a fun ride so far. Quentin, you're muted. And I also have a question after, but I'll let you go first. Yes. Oh, go ahead, Hillary. I just wanted to ask, because I I don't know that in the podcast we did before this one, or even this one, that we've ever spoken to anyone from Rwanda with like a Rwandan descent. And I'm I'm curious, the arts and culture scene that you mentioned, since you've like immigrated more recently, um, yeah. if you could compare it to Canada or, or and what that's like, or what Rwanda's like at all. Um, I'm yeah. sorry that I know so <laughs> 
I unfortunately being yeah. whitewashed know little about Africa except for being <laughs> Senegalese. Um, so yeah. I would love to hear a little bit more about that uh, if you want to talk yeah. about it. Yeah, it's one thing that you say Senegalese, and some of my family members are also Senegalese. So we get to speak a lot of French, so really? I get to speak. Yeah. So uh, I grew up, so Rwanda, if I had to describe Rwanda to anybody who doesn't know Rwanda really, it's people who love cows, uh, people who love milk, people who love eggs, people who like all about like real culture things. They end up, there always is a piece of culture, whatever you see Rwandans gathered in one place. Uh, for example, if you look at Rwandans who live in Canada, they always know each other. They always keep tabs on each other. They always try to uplift each other and stuff like that. So it's like, that's a big characteristic of Rwandans. They're always very joyous and they always gather around all together. So which makes it like a huge kind of like community everywhere I go. I know if I find Rwandans, I'm very welcomed already. So yeah, so the culture and art scene that I was talking about was, it's more of like after the genocide had happened in Rwanda, there wasn't really a lot of, oh, I want to be a photographer for me to make a living. I want to be a musician. I want to be uh, a, a singer or uh, a painter or something like that. It's not it's something that was really encouraged, not because it was not good or that people didn't believe in it, but mostly because it was not feasible during to the economic status that the country was going in after the whole genocide thing happened and Rwanda trying to recover and all that. So it's only recently that way before I got before I got the chance to come here, I was I was starting to see it kind of like grow a little bit steadily. But then now that I'm here, I was looking back on it and chatting with a lot of friends who are in there and I was just amazed. There's so many people who are photographers, directors, who are musicians full time and they are able to make a living from that. So that's something that I say that they've started to catch up on compared to Canada. Now everybody's able to make a living doing what they love. That's amazing. Um, yeah. I'm gonna double check. Clinton, are you still there? Nope. Okay, that's fine. I can no. run the soul. Yeah. I can run the show by myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but I will say, I think it's funny that you then immigrated to PEI, the land of cows ice cream, and the first yeah. thing that you said is, "If you like cows, um, cows," which is funny and not what I would have expected <laughs> at all. <laughs> Um, so when you ended up immigrating to PEI in 2018, I'm curious, mm -hmm. did you, I don't, I don't know if you mentioned, did you go by yourself and why of all of the Canadian provinces, PEI? <laughs> no, uh, when, when I immigrated at first, I was, I moved to Montreal because again, I speak French and anywhere where people speak French, I feel very comfortable mm -hmm. and I'm able to just like chat with anybody. So I was living in Montreal, a specific place called Laval. And uh, I got a chance to kind of like meet a huge community of people there. And uh, it's only the only reason why I chose PEI after living in Montreal and Laval was mostly for studies. Uh, it was way more cheaper, way more affordable in terms of like uh, being able to pay the school fees, which for international students at that time was kind of like something crazy because you get that crazy student international fee that is always a lot. So yeah, compared to other places, I had admissions at Concordia, but then I remember looking at their prices, I was like, hell no, I'm not doing this. So 
moved to PI. And gladly, there was already a run on community here, so it made it super easy. That's amazing. I did not know that there was a Rwandan community there in PEI. Is it, is it big or is it just small but powerful um, and mighty? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's mm, compared to like a Nigerian community or a Bahamian community, okay. we're not that big. But, <laughs> but I think it's a good amount if you wanted to make something happen, we would be able to make something happen, really. So... I'd say probably like close to 60 to 100, maybe. Oh, not bad. It's, it's all right. <laughs> I mean, if you were to have asked me when I was going to like University de Moncton, the, the Senegalese yeah. population of the city, I would have had no answer and no like, no <laughs> frame of reference. I was like, no, I think I'm alone. So, And I definitely was not. Um, so that, that does seem like a, 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 a decent amount and more. I still think of the island unfortunately often as white and so yeah. it's it's nice to hear you know that that's that's not the case and i'm I, that i'm generalizing <laughs> and that there is a rwandan <laughs> community there that's great yeah. um so what has growing up in pei been or the immigration to pei from montreal been like was is it how i just described it sort of white or like yeah. was the diversity surprising to you uh what's that experience been um i think it was much more of like a huge change of scene because it was going from a city that was so fast paced to a city that takes its time with everything. So PI is much more slow paced. Like you say, it's much more older white people who live here and all that. And when I got here, at that time, there wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, black, you know, communities who are actively trying to pursue a lot of huge things there was a, a a nice group that was at least that got the chance to meet i'm not sure if you guys probably you guys probably already know him he's he runs the atlantic uh, student development alliance his name is uh daniel ikechuku uh yeah he's he's the first person who welcomed me on the island in terms of like uh, uh trying to integrate me and try and make show me all the other kind of like things that happen on the island. And uh, one thing that I had noticed immediately was just like, you know, people were just in their own little groups. People were like, okay, cool, we're Rwandans, we're just gonna hang around Rwandans. Well, we're Nigerians, just gonna hang around Nigerians, Bahamians around Bahamians, white people on their own. So nothing was being done as a community really. But then I've seen a huge shift from back then to now where everything is really together. So it's like, there's no more that thing of like, oh yeah, I can't go there because I'm assuming that it's a specific group that's you know just gonna be there or enjoy that. But nowadays it's just like everybody oversees that and just has fun. That's really good. I'm glad. I know that yeah. in comparison, sake, it felt to me growing up that New Brunswick didn't really have that. And of course, now that I'm gone, there there does seem to be <laughs> a lot. <laughs> now that I'm in Toronto and doing this. Now they're like, okay, we might as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got rid of her. Let's make some moves. Let's, let's do some changes of over course. here. <laughs> so now there definitely seems to be, you know, like there's the New Brunswick, like a Black Artist Alliance and all these different things that have come together. But I have heard of like, BIPOC Usher and uh, mm-hmm. Bianca's work with the Black uh, Collective Media. And then, like I mentioned before, the Black Culture Society. So it does seem like there's definitely a lot more going on. Hi, Clinton. Hello. Welcome Am back. Am I back? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah. Amazing. Um, 
I, will, I was just going to ask a question for context, as you mentioned. So you came to Canada in 2018. How did you get to PEI, like just right before the pandemic then? <laughs> yes, I did. So sorry. <laughs> yeah, I got to PEI right before the pandemic. But actually, I'm, I'm kind of glad I did a little mm-hmm. bit because the way I was seeing all these restrictions being put on Montreal or any other of these big cities compared to PEI, PEI were the last people to ever get covid and our restrictions, even though they seemed strict, they were not really that strict compared to the other provinces. So I'm always glad to get a chance to be here where it was like minimal exposure. Yes, be glad. Be glad. Um, <laughs> I'm literally in the process of booking my fourth booster right now because I live in oh Hello, also known as Toronto. But I don't Toronto. believe. <laughs> That's fair. Um, Clinton, do you remember what you wanted to ask back when we were talking about Rwanda? Because I'd like you to have your moment. My moment? Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm so sorry about that, by the way. This hasn't happened on my computer in months. Yeah. But um, I, okay, I got to get back. I can't remember. That's okay. Well, I can't remember. A- I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, it'll come back to me. We've covered a lot of ground. Um, but, where are we? Yeah, I'll yeah have to where we're at now this, in, in Robin's life would be schooling. So you mentioned that you switched from Montreal to PEI for school. Um, did you initially go to school for photography? And was that always like the goal in mind and your plan and your vision? Or did you do something else and then completely switch? Or was it that arts influence of Canada that you're like, oh, I got to take <laughs> pictures of these cows? Like what was, what was the, the, <laughs> the education? It was... I think uh, in terms of what you just asked, it was just like uphill, downhill type of like journey. So I remember when I got here, like any typical person, I chose the safest thing to study because I was like, cool, I think I'm capable of making a living out of this. So let me just study this just in case as a plan B. And uh, that was business administration. <laughs> so... <laughs> That was the easiest and safest thing for me to study at that time. And I was like, cool, I'm about to study this. I tried to study it in Montreal, but then like I told you, the, I realized that the pricing of the universities there are crazy. So that's when I moved to PEI. And uh, that's when I started to study business administration. And I hated it. With all my heart, I hated it so much. And it was mostly because I'm, I'm always fine with mathematical stuff, anything that requires me to kind of like calculate things but anything that requires me to kind of like you know memorize a lot of things i'm like no anything that's too much words i'm like no i signed out so i remember taking taking an economics class that was at 8 a.m and i was sitting at the front row and the class i think finished at 12 and i remember looking at all the students we were all looking at each other we all knew we didn't understand anything that's when it clicked for me. I was like, okay, I got to switch up. I got to switch up. I still have time. I can go do something I actually like. And uh, during that whole time, I was debating my whole, you know, little existential crisis of like, what am I supposed to do? What's my role here on earth? What am I trying to, you know, bring forth? But like, what can I provide to people and stuff like that? And that's when I was like, okay, cool. I love telling stories. But then, I went at it backwards a little bit. That's when I was still like, okay, let me do journalism because I love doing journalism. And I studied journalism. I I was actually loving it. But then it also clicked again a little bit later that I was like, okay, 
this is not what I really want to do. I know I have a talent, so I might as well, rather than me paying all this money to a degree that I'll never get used, I might as well just invest it in something that is actually productive. So that's when I switched to studying film. So uh, that's when I started to take classes on like photography and all that. Even though I already knew a lot of things about photography by then, I still was like, okay, cool. It's not bad to invest in like a formal kind of like studies that were like certificate or degree or something. That's when I got that. And uh, yeah, here we are now. Wow. That's yeah, it's a lot of up and up and downs of me <laughs> double thinking everything the moment I take a decision. Well, that's okay. I don't know if it's <laughs> up or downs as, as as opposed to like around and arounds. Like it seems mm. like you you went from in a good way, like you went from major to major and knew soon enough that something wasn't for you instead of you know sticking it through to the end unhappily and you found what it sounds to be your true passion or a big passion of yours at least if not your biggest um yeah. is that not correct i mean that's, no, that's a great that's story really... like you went followed your heart and yeah you found what was right for you you stuck to it um, no that's very true can I just say I, that I changed, I changed programs five times and then I ended Did up you? doing journalism, but I didn't even, <laughs> I never, like my piece of paper up there, it's a degree in English from Université de Moncton. Like I, it's a, my education's a joke. I just wanted to commiserate <laughs> that I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing here, but I'm going to leave with the piece of paper and we'll see if I make money. So I feel that. I also had that same feeling yeah. in a statistics class of like, what am I learning? What and how is this going to help me later? So I get you. Anyway, that's enough for, for me. <laughs> I think it mattered. It mattered for me to fully be true to myself and understand what I'm trying to pursue. Because at this time I wasn't making enough money for me to pay my own tuition. So it was definitely my parents' money. So I always had this thing in my head of like I don't want to make them pay for something that's not gonna pay back. So that was always my third part. And I like, I don't want to waste this money. I don't want to waste this money anyway. Because I'm like, it's not everybody who gets a chance to be here. And I get to be here. So I have to at least maximize it a little bit and do something I actually love. Rather than lie to myself and kind of like promise my parents something I'm not going to deliver. So, yeah. I, I imagine they'd be very proud to hear you say that. <laughs> Oh no, they are. They, <laughs> they're like, okay, cool. Finally, now that I, I've finished school, uh, it's been a moment, but then they're always kind of like grateful that I took that route. Uh, I understand when, like, you know, we have, at least for me, African parents, they're very, I want to say very controlling, but they always want you to study specific things. But it's out of a place of concern, mostly. It's out of a place of looking out for you and being like, okay, cool, you can make it in this industry. That's why I want you to be a doctor or like an engineer and all that stuff. So both my parents have doctorates. So I'm like, okay, they already expected a lot from us. But the funny thing is all the sure. kids went in the arts. So it was just very funny. <laughs> so <laughs> It sounds like it's working out well. Have, yeah, surviving so far. Have your parents been over here? No, not yet. My mom is is probably coming back, coming here in October, okay. and uh, my dad. My dad is not a big travel person, so but whenever, if I convince him, he's gonna probably stop by here as well. For sure, I'd like to. I was yeah. gonna ask what they thought of PEI and and Canada and the East Coast. Have you been back to Rwanda since? No, not yet. Um, um, especially with COVID. Yeah. yeah, especially with COVID and. Yeah. Uh, 
when I left Rwanda, I didn't know I was going to be a photographer at all. I didn't know anything about my talent. I didn't know anything. It's only when I get here that I started to kind of like build that muscle and know kind of like what I love kind of stories I want to tell. So I always tell people that everything I'm working on here, everything I'm building up here, it's kind of like preparing me for the day I go back to Rwanda because I'm going to be able to tell much more better stories of the whole community. And so that's going to be, yeah. And that's my next question. So when you do go back to Rwanda, you know, what kind of stories do you think you will tell? What do you think um, you'll want to show the world about Rwanda or express? I think it's always going to be, see, when I think about it now, uh, it was different when I thought about it back then, because back then I would have told you, oh, I'm just going to you know, interview people who have survived the genocide and stuff like that. Because that's the easiest thing to do. And honestly, that's the stories that most people have never heard of, mostly, because they don't really know much about the whole thing. But I feel like there's much more deeper, much more a bigger kind of like spectrum of people who are not there. There's people who are into the fashion industry, the people who are in the music industry, uh, painting, cultural painting. There's people who are making their livings in ways you would never understand, especially when you go out of the city and go into like what people here would call like the trenches or like the villages where it's like a little bit rough to make a living. So there's people who have so many different things that they can actually uh, showcase. So that's what I would love to document. And uh, I have this kind of like, not really an obsession, but I love hearing uh, old people speak, especially when they're telling you like tales, when they're telling you like, oh, how you, their life was back then, the kind of hardships they went through, especially when they have, especially when you can see it in their, in their eyes. There's people who look at you and you're like, yeah, this person went through life. So that's the kind of thing that I'd love to kind of like document a little bit when I get the chance to be there. That's really interesting. So like the yeah. real people of Rwanda and their lives and sort of the history told through the, yeah. the elders or the seniors that live there. Cool. 100%. Um, yeah. How about, can you tell us about being a futures creator at Canon? What that entails, how yeah. the partnership came to be? We're super curious about that. Uh, I think I think this would probably go way back. I, I, I'm, probably, I'm gonna make it fast, but I want to tell it to you in a way Take that you can understand okay. how how it all came to be. So I remember in when I got a PI, I started working at a call center job and uh, to make you know I have to pay rent and all that kind of stuff. And at that time, I saved up my first paycheck uh, to buy my first camera. And that was a, a Canon Rebel T6. So that was my first camera. And I remember that month, I was like, what am I doing? Why am I buying this camera? But then I was like, cool, let me just... And at that time, it was it kind of like was very vivid in my head that this is what I was supposed to kind of like pursue and at least try and learn. So got the camera, started shooting. It was the winter. It was the worst winter ever because i was still trying to get adapted to the east coast winter here because it was very different <laughs> and uh, then from there working at a call center job i remember i was one day i was sitting with uh, one of my friends her name is celine and uh, we were just chatting uh, my shift was like 4 p.m to midnight so around like 11 p.m it was normally very slow uh, there was no nobody calling in and stuff. So we get a chance to chit-chat with the co-workers and stuff. And I remember I told her that one day I'm going to work with Canon. And at that time, I was like, what? I was like a small beginner. 
I probably didn't know how to take a picture straight or even how to edit it properly. But then I remember, I remember she kind of encouraged me, but almost laughed a little bit. But it was more of like an encouragement type of thing. And I was like, I took it nicely. Oh, I almost took it like a child. I was like, cool, we'll see. But it was friendly, you know, she's one of my best friends. So I'm like, it's going to be easy. And um, yeah, fast forward to 2020. 2020, around July-ish. Uh, I remember one day I was just, you know, uh, coming back from a shower. I opened my phone. A notification came through. It was like, kind of, kind of mentioned you in a post. I was like, mm, wait, that's weird. I opened it and they did like an artist highlight of some artists they tried to highlight on their socials. And I remember seeing a picture of me there and I I lost it. I I was so happy. I was like, it wasn't like a direct form of like communication or like any sort of partnership, but it was like them highlighting an artist that they actually liked. And I was just baffled because I was like, yeah, I was still in that process of like thinking that, oh, my work is probably not that good and stuff like that. So they highlighted me with a, a couple other friends of mine who are actually surprisingly, one of them is also a kind of ambassador now. So it's just like, it was such a beautiful kind of like road from there. So that was 2020. Then fast forward, uh, I remember uh, seeing this all kind of shooters thing and, uh, you know, inquired about it, kind of got, got in touch with them and when I got the chance to be part of the kind of futures, it all came like full circle where it's like that friend called me. She was like, do you remember a conversation we had back in 2019 when we were sitting in this call center? Uh, and I was like, oh, it clicked because I had forgot about it. It was no longer even in my kind of like thought pattern. And I would pray, pray, pray every night and be like, okay, I'm going to put in the work. But God, I want you to open some doors in the back scenes so that this can happen. So I was like, still very hopeful that it was going to happen. So at that time, when she told me, it clicked in my head that this is something that I'm meant to pursue and that's meant to be. So that was 2021. That's when I got the chance to travel to Bath and meet a lot of Canon executives or Canon creators, ambassadors. And uh, for a full year, well, I've been having, you know, a chance to meet and chat with them on a regular basis, doing workshops with them and all that, building a relationship, really. So, yeah, that's the whole story behind the kind of futures. If you want me to go deeper on what kind of futures is, I can do that. But I just wanted to give you a quick kind of like timeline of how it happened at least. I think that's good. I mean, I think if people want to look up the Canon futures, um, that that's something that they can do. But that's that's wild. I love when I love hearing stories like that, like these stories of yeah. manifestations or, or prayer or intention or putting things out there to the universe. And then even if you forget about it, yeah. sometimes that thing still happens. So I don't know if you put the message to the back of your brain and it starts working on the solution on autopilot. Probably, I don't know how it works. God or the universe or the, the, the frequencies, they just put you on that pathway. But uh, stories like that are beautiful. So that's that's mm-hmm. great the way you got connected yeah. with that. I, I, I think you was. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. 
I mean, like, I I don't know. When I hear people, like you said, that manifestation stuff and when it comes through for people who I believe should be deserving, it just warms my heart. I think that that's fabulous and good on Canon for recognizing. But also, at that point, would you have been... Like it would have been what a, a almost a year since you would have bought the the Rebel T six. So had you only been doing photography for a year? Did you you mentioned when you went to school you had prior photography knowledge, right? Yeah. So it, it so you've been working for a bit. I've, I think I've always I've always had a camera in my hand since okay. I was a kid. Really, like my mom always had some pointer shoots, some of those little film cameras that she had, uh, and I would always have like playing around with them as a kid so i always had something on my eye as a kid so even if it wasn't a camera it would be a cell phone taking pictures and stuff like that so kind of i just didn't have the money for a camera so that's what kind of like happened in 2019 or 2018 ish end of 2018 start of 2019 when i got a chance to save up a little bit to get that first camera it was now officially <laughs> I had a camera, no longer kind of like shooting on my Samsung or like whatever phone I had at that time. And uh, I remember even like with the phone, I would actually plan trips where I'm just shooting on my phone and people would not believe that this picture was taken on the phone. And uh, when I was traveling from Montreal to, uh, when I was traveling from Montreal to PEI, it was a night flight, and I remember I took a picture with my phone through the window, and some people, a lady who was sitting right next to me, she saw me take the picture, and she saw me edit it and make it so good, and I think it's still one of the best pictures I took, but I looked, and she was looking at the whole thing, and then she kind of like stopped for a minute, and she looked, and she's like, how do you do that? Like, how do you take a random picture and just make it look this good? And I think that also kind of like stuck in my head a little bit that okay somebody finds this good looking so i might as well just keep pushing a little bit so yeah uh i had a little bit knowledge so then when and i mind you when i got the camera i full-on went and i was shooting and almost every day every day every day every day until that time i was shooting a hundred percent so yeah when that happened it felt like a very big reward so that's amazing. Um, and yeah. I wanted to ask too, inter- since it's something that you like grew up with and like you said, sort of almost born with the camera yeah. in your hands. Have you yeah. had various inspiration over the years, whether it's uh, environmental or seen something that you've, you've wanted to ever emulate or things that you think are cool, but you wanted to like twist? Um, I always find yeah. that really interesting. I, my one my one brag, which is not a brag, when I, I studied uh, fashion comms at Ryerson, I got to take a photography course and I have a, yeah. a, a Nikon D5600, which is all of my money at the time. <laughs> no, we, we, we don't like Nikon on this side. I bet. I've heard. Listen. <laughs> Listen, when I worked at Shoppers and I bought a, and I bought a Nikon, I continuously was like, "You can't buy a Canon," and so that's that oh. I'm I'm breaking my own personal uh, beef. To you're me. not gonna get in trouble with Canon if someone says Nikon on the show. No, contract. I'm playing. No, no, yeah, we support, no. we support oh. Canon on this podcast. <laughs> we do sponsorship. Yeah. Wink, wink. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sorry, go on, go on. No, but I am curious. Yeah, what what has your like um, artistic inspiration been over over the years? I think it always goes back to the culture, because uh, in the random culture, the reason again we love cows, because which is funny, because 
I'm gonna tell you why it kind of like it kind of makes sense a little bit. But the reason why we love cows is the beauty and also the majesty of them, especially when they have the big horns and stuff. So that's something that is tied with the Rwandan culture, especially the Rwandan culture dances with the ladies. When they dance, I'm not sure if you've ever seen any, but they tend to do their hand like this, which kind of like symbolizes the the horns of the of the cows. And so then that dance there is kind of like very you're gonna find it at a wedding, at meetings, whenever like another president visits from there, they're gonna have traditional dances and they're gonna have that, they're gonna have some very rapid drummings. So every time as a kid, I would kind of like my eyes, I would do something called taking photos with my eyes or like brain pictures. So I just like picture a very beautiful scene where somebody's just beating the drums and there's like dust coming off the drum and kind of like in the air and stuff like that. And they're, they have sweat, they're sweating so much. They're wearing like the traditional tires for like drummers. And I'll just take that picture in my head, but I didn't know how to translate that picture to like something physical. But then I would always take a picture in my head. So that kind of grew on me, especially now that I've started to see like uh, run on paintings as well. And that kind of also created another layer. And uh, when I moved here, I started to discover a lot of black photographers, but most of them were not really based in Canada, most of them are more like US-based photographers. And I started to kind of like study their work diligently, like very, very, almost, you know, that thing where it's like, there was a stage in studying that you try and copy the person you're studying from. I was really in that state, I was like, okay, I want to reproduce exactly this image. Because I understand that if I'm able to reproduce this exact image, I'm able to reformulate it and kind of create something unique out of this same setup. So after probably a couple a, a couple of days a couple no, a couple of days a couple of months ago, uh, I got a chance to work with a brand called Profoto. It's a uh, it's a lighting brand. I think one of the best lighting brands out there. Uh, so I got it. They sent me some gear. They were like, "We want you to create an editorial piece out of this," and that's when I created a specific piece that was specifically for the running culture. So. That's when you would find those positions of like having the hands up, uh, having doing the traditional dances, uh, featuring traditional attires and stuff like that. And it's on my Instagram if you guys need to see it in any way to kind of like envision exactly what I what I mean. I could send it here right now if if uh, if there is a way. I think I should have the screen share. You should be able to share a screen. Yeah. Or here I can. Oh, oh, sure. I can, I can click on it and screen. do it too. Yeah, that, it's 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 multiple different posts, but uh, is it on let me see. Instagram or the CBC article? Okay, I got it. I got it. Um, oh, you got it. We've all got it. <laughs> oh, sweet. we've all got Perfect. it. Perfect. Yes. So, for example, like here, uh, some of this is like some of the traditional uh, session that we did. So, I wanted to showcase how you can make beautiful images. So, you see the way she's dancing. This is the traditional random way of dancing. And uh, so out of this part, we took some of these pictures where it's like the same thing I was telling you of like using the hands to showcase the Inyambo, Inyambo, which is the, which is the cow's name in Kiyawanda. So kind of like showcasing that random beauty and showcasing the attires, the beauty of the attires, the little accessories, all those little, little things 
kind of make it look very gorgeous. So yeah, I wanted to just show you guys that for context. So that you can, can That's go. okay. Yeah. Oh, you uh you 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 really are on on some frequency waves because um while you were speaking a few minutes ago, I just messaged yeah. to Hillary that I was gonna share a screen on your Instagram profile and ask you to show us some pictures. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. That worked out perfectly. <laughs> I didn't know you were tapped into my computer, but <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. that's that worked you... out completely. Feel free if you want to, like, while it's uh, recording the whole screen, you can scroll if you oh, want right, to right. continue to show some of your your work. I'll I'll add as a tidbit yeah. as someone who's modeled for years and has rarely worked with black photographers. The, like, mm-hmm. no one depicts us the way we depict us, and the like. Those shots okay. are stunning. Like, there's yeah, there's no offense to listening but they don't like it's the like the reflective beautiful glow of melanin is not picked up when white people have the camera in the same way like they're these women are just yeah. like be, just beautiful <laughs> and you yeah i think just... that's also so, that's also something we talked about a little bit uh i got a chance to do like a small you know little interview with bcs that's black culture society yes here in pi and we got just to talk about it and i realized that uh, I put in much more effort in learning how to color grade their skin than they would put in much more effort than to learn how to color grade my skin. And that, I, think, I mean, I guess maybe work ethic, but it's not too many people who are very comfortable with shooting darker skin tones or melanated skin tones in a good way that kind of like brings it out. Uh, it, it, does, it, can be, it can be made look aesthetically good. They can try, but I almost think that if you don't actually put in effort in your downtime to learn how to do this, you probably have a harder time sometimes when you're trying to shoot. And that can cause you to stop from trying to depict or include people at different skin tone than yours in your work. So, yeah, these were some of the pictures we had a chance to do, uh, especially for this brand called Profoto. Uh, I was very grace they were grateful enough to give me full range on depicting beauty as i understand it and in my head it clicked i'm like this is what i want to depict so it worked out super good they're beautiful i I definitely like i've been asked before to model for white people so that they can learn how to shoot on black skin and it's always just translated to like i appreciate the effort but it seems to always just translate to how to um photograph dark people in a light area and like contrasting and not the like mm-hmm. skin gradient or all the other intricacies that go yeah. into photography that even I don't understand but that it seems very much a like okay you've got a dark person in a dark room and how do you make them pop and very maybe a bit more cut and dry or a pun intended a black and white approach to what I think is mm-hmm. much more nuanced and complicated but anyway I'll, I'll I want to do, yeah, no, go, go ahead. ahead no you go ahead <laughs> No, I want, I'm just going to pull up something to show you guys. What? Almost like a little, so my eyes are crying because I have allergies and stuff. So I, I thought you were just emotional <laughs> about your own photos. I understand. It's that time of year, though. <laughs> yeah, it always happens. So my eyes just start to cry out of nowhere. So Quick question. But we can, did you, did you yeah. have allergies in Rwanda? No. <laughs> so, yeah, what's going on there? It's, it's kind of like a North no, American thing. No. Um, just I didn't have anything. Here. I find I've I've often heard that allergies are more commonly common in North America and not in the rest of the world. And anyways, okay, go on. Yeah, I was gonna say I wanted to share it with them. 
and it's like a sneak peek for you you guys because it's like i get a chance to show you guys um so i did a project i did a project with canon um and uh it was to create and i was i I want to emphasize the reason i love cultures the reason i love showcasing cultures and stuff like that so we got a chance to you know they were like okay depict anything you want but then i can make it look beautiful so that was kind of like the goal and uh i remember thinking about it and i was like okay cool then this gives me the opportunity to use this moment to kind of like highlight some cultures and stuff like that so then let me see if i can share my screen okay perfect can you guys see my screen i can and i'll use this as a moment to say if you're listening to the audio you should be watching on youtube search black lanik also i am jesse jesse g-e-s-s-y-y on instagram to see what we were seeing beforehand if you choose to listen to this on anchor but really check out our youtube so you can see all these beautiful shots and our our beautiful faces Uh youtube is where all the juice is at so you're missing out on this portion uh but yes so we got a chance so i was like i have a lot of friends who are from uh mostly on the other side of the continent which is definitely not africa so i was like cool let me reach out to them and they were very happy, very accommodating with me. So I was able to bring out their cultural attires, then doing using their cultural jewelry so we can create like a beautiful story of showcasing their culture here. So we got the chance to create some of this like beautiful kind of like shots. I think this was my favorite of all of them really, because it was it was a perfect moment. We had planned this shot for a long time and it worked out exactly as we had it in mind. So shout out to the whole team because it was perfect. And I think I remember that Canon saw it and they were like, oh, okay, that's the shot. That's the shot. So, yeah, but then there is so much more. Uh, so even I think I also love this one because it gives almost like a very angelic, almost like, uh, how would I call it? Dreamy kind of like feel, peaceful type of feel. And uh, yeah, so showcasing all different aspects of the culture of their attires their fashion and uh, yeah so this is what we're able to create yes so and nobody has seen this because we haven't we haven't posted them on instagram yet so everybody's just like okay we're gonna wait to post them but you guys get to see them yeah you saw it here first thank you (laughs) thank you also they are phenomenal Uh, thank you very much since you thank the team i'm curious for for what i would call like the money shot how like how many people did it take to orchestrate that perfect moment that perfect shot we had one person on the left side here holding Mm -hmm. this one other person on this right side and we had me on the front here kind of like taking the picture uh and oh wait no we had an assistant hold the camera uh taking the picture while we were doing the framing and uh, I remember the the how that the fabric behind mm-hmm. was not going the way I was thinking about it. So I gave the assistant the, the camera. I put in all the settings, gave it to her, and I was like, "Cool, you take the shot. I'm gonna go hold the fabric." So I started. We started like waving it on the other side. My brother was there, who's also a photographer. So we waved it the way we had it in our mind, and she took the shot. And uh, that was. That's when it happened. 
So are you somewhere in behind or are you edited out? Or did you? Oh, no, no, no. I cropped it. I was, <laughs> I was probably standing. I loomed, if I had opened up this a little bit, you would have probably seen me on this side. So, yeah. That's so cool. That's the money shot. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm floored. You guys get to see it before anybody. So thank you guys for the compliments. I appreciate it very much. We appreciate that. That's definitely going to be in one of the plugs when we promote this yeah. <laughs> episode. Or sneak peek. Yes. <clears throat> I'm going to pull up um, the CBC article. Hillary, did you want to Did you ask? Did you have some questions about that? I did, well, I did. I pulled up a, a quote that I thought was really interesting. I mean, like you, we've spent, um, I would say, not not a lot of time, but a good amount of time talking about like the the cultures and culture and why it's important to you. Um, but in reading the article before speaking to you, I had noticed that you you mentioned um, some of the film stuff and being able to tell stories. So your your quote was you come from an unrepresented community in terms of people who are always in front of the screen and I'm black and all of my peers most of the time we're not really finding ourselves in front of the lens I find pleasure in being able to do that and being able to film documentaries that tell their stories I was very curious about the film aspect as well and what these documentaries entail who they've been about and what types of stories that you're telling on top of all of this amazing photography yeah I think one thing one of the things that kind of like also caught Canon's eye in terms of like putting me in the future's creator was my love for documentary filmmaking. Because like I, I think, like I mentioned, I always love sitting down and hearing people speak. I would probably just sit there for hours um, and just like allow people to speak as I record. And that's something that I've always, always loved. So that gave me the chance to, uh, you know, whenever I'm sitting with some friends, you know, just picking up a camera and just like, you know, let's tell a little story. Let's go through your day-to-day as, you know, as a person, or even like talk to me about things that happened to you and like anything that's going to be very intimate and that's going to probably, that's going to probably relay a specific feeling to another person or communicate them a specific uh, message in any way. So that when that clicked in my head, that's something I would always love to do. I started, sorry, I started doing some documentaries, uh, especially in that in that specific time. So whenever we're at that march, uh, the one that you pulled up in the article, uh, that same day, the next day, I had a lot of people come through my house. So the next day, right after this, I had a lot of people come through my house where I had set up like a background, set up a bunch of like three different angles on the camera, and then we just started talking. We just started talking about, you know, the Black experience, uh, them being, you know, going through this. I think they might be on my page uh, under videos under video? somewhere. Yeah, under videos. Uh, yeah, the fourth tab there. Uh, if scroll down a little bit. Yes, okay, right there. I'll go back up a little bit. Up, up. Yeah, so so that's the on the right side. Uh, that's uh, Chijo K. Uh, his name is, we call him, people call him CJ, but his name is Chidro K. Uh, and again, at that time, my skills were very subpar, please. Uh, <laughs> my video skills at that time were very, but I was still interested in like, getting the chance to speak to people. Uh, and uh, so he got to tell me about his life, how much he struggled. He's one of the people who's been here for the longest time that I've at least known a couple of people here. 
and he got to tell me about like how much he struggled, how much uh, he always wants PI to evolve. Because if there is anybody who's seen PI evolve, it's definitely Chidote. So uh, I got a chance to sit with him, and uh, at some point he was, uh, I think, that president of Black Culture Society as well. And uh, right now he headlines a show called WTF, that is uh, Wisdom, uh, Truth, and Failure. And uh, where people get a chance to come and, you know, share their stories and stuff like that. So I got a chance to speak with him, which makes me think I should probably do a follow-up interview where I get to chat with him. So I'm probably going to note that down somewhere. And uh, there is another one, the one that had just like Black Stories. That was just like a recap of the march. But also I got a chance to showcase that when Black Culture Society was doing like a, a documentary screen. So that that came through very well as well, and uh, it's a it's a collection of people who uh, are very known in the community at least in the black community as artists, as activists, or even just like as people in general. Wow! So yeah. for our listeners, you can go to I am Jesse G E S S Y Y and click on the tap the videos tab and check out these these videos and mini documentaries that have been made. This one, the Black Stories one's about 20 minutes long. So very easy to consume, shorter than even a Netflix show, you might say. Um, and I'll speak, <laughs> on behalf of, an episode. I'll speak on behalf of Clinton and myself that if ever you'd like another place to host any of this type of content, I would absolutely adore sharing this on our on our platform or even just letting us know the next time one's going to drop so that we can share um, these stories as I whole point of this podcast is sharing these types of stories. And I think it's extremely important to do so on as many platforms as we can and expand to, you know, we might be, well, Clinton's in New Brunswick and I might be from New Brunswick, but all of the East coast provinces are trying to be yeah. represented on black Atlantic. So. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a big pleasure. I, whenever I get a chance to travel and meet uh, some black people who are prospering or who are going through any very kind of like marketing moments in their life, I always love to document that for them. If they allow me, of course, if they are feeling comfortable to do so. So I get a chance to at least have that little nugget of moments in their life uh, stored away, whatever they needed. Amazing. That's, that's yeah. really amazing. Um, <clears throat> it sounds like you've had nothing but support since you arrived mm -hmm. to PEI doing your thing. Yeah. Uh, at first, it's like, you know, you all the support you can get always helps. Uh, thing is PI it's like a very tough scene uh, to kind of like maneuver especially because uh, the population here sometimes may not really 100% understand what you're about or trust you right away because again you're almost like an outsider uh, but then over time I think even like to this day I think I'm very appreciative of the people who give me support because it's always there like I've never lacked any support in PI so far amazing that's good i'm glad i'm so glad that you've been able to connect with some of the lovely pi people that we've connected with as well uh, to, like shout out to tamara Steele and bianca yeah. uh like i said before they're wonderful people um and they both explain pi i find in different ways and it's nice having a third person from another different place explain pi through mm -hmm. a through a completely different lens ha 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 <laughs> I gotta get in as many puns as I can. <laughs> that's that's perfect. That's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, I, I think if you pull up, uh, if you pull up the article, uh, I can tell a quick story about the shot there of um, of Bianca. 
No, uh, that one, that yeah. one right there. Mm-hmm. So that shot happened. Uh, the person in the middle who's being kind of like held on their shoulder is Daniel Ketruku. Uh, and at that time, I remember this kind of like made me kind of like understand the importance of documenting moments and the importance of like always having my camera ready to go. And uh, at that time, what had happened was we were at the march and this, we were just like having somebody give a speech. And this one uh, guy, um, of course, he was white at that time. He started heckling a little bit, kind of like started screaming and all that kind of disrupting the whole thing that was going on. And I think at, at this point, everybody's emotions were very on high at that time because of the whole, everything that was unfolding. And I think Daniel was one of the people. He's known to be a very, very calm person. Very calm. I think he's probably one of the one of the calmest people I know. And at that time, he got it, it, it kind of like overwhelmed him very much. And uh, he went up to the person asking him, like, why are you even doing this really? And uh, as he was getting very emotional, a lot of people pulled him back. Of course, we got a chance to remove the heckler and stuff, but then he had a moment where he kind of like broke down and a lot of people came behind him to kind of like comfort him a little bit, kind of like calm him down a little bit. And I remember in the corner of my eye, I didn't even doubt for a second, I took the picture. So I think that kind of like, if that entails any any kind of like relevance in always documenting moments, this will be my, the one I'll pull up at some point for sure. That is a really powerful photo. You've got the people embracing Daniel in the front and the sort of field of flowers, which can symbolize so much um, in terms of emotions. And then on all these onlookers <laughs> way off in the background. But it seems like he's kind of off to the side of a stage or the side of the main event. So it's it's a real like behind the scenes candid camera that, uh, yeah. I don't know, it just feels like it uh, encapsulates, yeah, like you said, so much of the emotion, the strong strong, powerful, painful emotions that people were feeling at that time. Yeah, it's one of my favorite shots for sure. And I got a chance to print it as well because I always love printing my my any images that really mean a lot. So I got a chance to print it and it just came out beautiful. Wow. I'll shift gears for wow. a second because I just noticed, was it your birthday yesterday? <laughs> Yes, it was. Happy belated birthday. Thank you very much. Thank you. We were messaging through like our the the podcast account and then I went to go creep on my own and I was like, oh yeah, well, happy birthday. I'm glad we could speak to you the day after your birthday. <laughs> yeah, it's a big pleasure. Yes, definitely happy birthday. Thank you. Well, you've shared so Hillary, do you have uh, any other questions? I think this was a perfect episode. I, we got more than I think we even intended with the sneak peeks. And I've never, we, I don't think we've ever had someone like share their works and then like explain it live. I think on the show really yeah. like, last week, Jennifer loosely did in speaking about like the number two battalion and some of the historical documents she sent us, but of all the, all the people we've had, no one's ever been like, this is the the composition and the shot and the thought that yeah. went behind it. And the, that's, incredible um more than i could have asked for (laughs) yeah i think uh one one of the greatest parts about doing this podcast is the things that hillary and i learn every week talking to people Uh, and i feel like we learned so much this week from from a little bit more about rwanda because i think you are our first 
guests from Rwanda. We've interviewed many guests who've come to Canada from different African countries, mostly on the West Coast, a little bit on the East. But uh, you're, you're our first Rwandan yeah. guest. And uh, I feel like I know a little bit more about Rwanda from someone who lives there now, yeah. who's from there. And uh, the stories in PEI and photography and your inspirations and the universal vibes. Um, yeah, that was great. As well as a little tiny bit about like the struggles, like that, that story about a heckler was... Mm. It definitely took me back to those days. The same thing happened in the city I'm in here yeah. in Moncton. Uh, a guy got charged by the police because he was throwing eggs at protesters and uttering death threats. And, and he, he, he barely got off with a slap on the wrist. Um, but, you know, thank you so much for being on the show. Once yeah. again, people who want to find you, they can find you at I am Jesse, G-E-S-S-Y-Y on Instagram. Um, do you have any closing thoughts or anything you really want listeners to hear or know before we, we wrap up today, Jesse? No, I'd say uh, thank you guys for having me. It's a big pleasure. Uh, always nice to chat. I love, if, if you guys have never noticed, I love talking. That's how, <laughs> that's how I'm like, if, if I ever host like a podcast or like a radio show, I always get like, people tell me, oh, you have a nice voice, you should host like a radio show. I'm like, okay, cool, sign me up. Because I love talking and these kind of like moments are things I'm going to always cherish. So thank you guys for giving me the opportunity. And I'd like to say if anybody ever... I mean, I know I'm not the craziest, dopest photographer, but if I have anything that you'd like to learn from me in any way, anybody who's listening, just feel free to DM me, feel free to hit me up. My DMs are always open. I may be a little bit late in responding, just a tiny little bit late, but I will respond eventually and I'll get the chance to, you know, connect a little bit. If you have any questions, if any, if you want any behind the scenes of any shots, just let me know. Uh, on my IG, on my email, anywhere, really. Yeah. So nice of you. I hope people take advantage of that. I hope someone I out hope. there, yeah, drops you a line. I hope people yeah. take advantage of that. I think that we should consider taking advantage of that podcast voice. Um, <laughs> but I, I'll speak to Clinton about that. But my, my brain, first of all, I had that exact thought. I was like, he needs to be, he needs to have a podcast. And now I'm like... <laughs> We have one. <laughs> so I have some I have some ideas in my head now. But also if ever you come to Toronto, mm. my oh, no, DMs I'm, are also open if you need I'm a in Toronto. or anything or you want to put a camera. I'm in Toronto this August. Uh I'm coming to Toronto August eleventh to the August 15th. So we're hosting an exhibition there. And I'm also getting the chance to meet some canon folks. So yeah, I have some time to, you know, get some portraits in. So if you're ever available in that time right before i'm supposed to go to the harry styles concerts perfect timing that's my only window of availability left because i believe other people are coming to visit i'm hosting so many people that month august a fruitful month anyway that's awesome thank you so so much for coming on i'm glad that after a several attempts of coordinating you finally got to be on i think this is this might be one of my no offense to anyone favorite episodes that we've done i really appreciated all of the behind the scenes and all of the little inside scoops. I think that's great. And I'm so glad that Canon saw such amazing work in you because you do, you deserve everything that they're offering you and more. Thank you. A big pleasure. And Clinton, if we ever get a chance to meet, uh, and you said you're in New Brunswick, right? Yeah, but my mom was born in PEI. I've got over 300 white relatives on the island and I haven't been there in, in too long. And uh, yeah. yeah, I'll definitely hit you up next time we plan yeah, a trip sure. to go over there. If you're ever coming through, just stop. Uh, let me know. We can organize a little studio session and catch some portraits. 
100%. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. I'm down with that. That sounds amazing. Everybody, Pretty if good. you listen to this episode, go back and watch it on YouTube. Again, that's I am Jesse, G E S S Y Y, Clinton Davis, Cropberry, find our GoFundMe, send us some cash money. Thanks for watching. That's it. <laughs> I know, I never, there's no good way to ask. Bye. <laughs> there's, we can work on that too. We'll work yeah. on it. Hey, but the intro's good. When I'm a just put up a post to just say, oh yeah, this is my interactive mail. If you want to express your funds. There's a joke that's been going on of like express your funds. So that means yeah. just like express your wealth. So people just like send like you money that. for no reason. So that's brilliant. That. Yeah. yeah. Why didn't I meet you 25 years ago? <laughs> 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 so, Thank you. all these years I could have been doing that on my birthday <laughs> that's all what we do in our family chat you didn't say hello happy birthday please send your money here yeah, but yeah, anyway. yeah. all right thanks for listening everyone <laughs> bye, bye.